Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that you've given us to to gather together to worship. We thank you for that worship time, Father God. It was so sweet to sing praises to your name. So good to be in your presence. And Father God, we all come with all the different issues that we have, Father. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial. And we lay them at your feet. And we pray now, God, that your, your word would speak to us and that we would do it justice. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about the book of Ephesians, and it's a book that was written by Paul to a city in Ephesus. I'm going to try to catch people up in case they weren't here, if they've missed a little bit. Ephesus was a city. That's why it's called Ephesians, because it was written to a city called Ephesus. It was kind of a rich city, a powerful city, most likely the third most powerful city in Rome, which was like the biggest, most powerful country at the time. It was wealthy. They had a huge temple in that city that celebrated a fertility god. People came from all over um, all over the world, really, to, to worship at that temple. It was a banking center. It was people from all over. Probably about 250,000 people were inside this city. Christians began to take root and the city got mad at them, Christians started to grow. It says at first, there were 12 Christians, just 12, in a city of 250,000, give and take. And these 12 Christians grew and grew and grew, so much so that nobody wanted to worship at this idol anymore. They said, why are we going to worship at this idol, this fake God? We found people that know the real God. And so it became an uproar. And they grabbed some of the Christians and they brought them before an amphitheater and they yelled at them and they were screaming at them and trying to kick them out. And Paul was the one who started it. And they had to get Paul out of there. He was kind of like a wanted man, so he writes them this letter. And so as we've been going through the letter, we're on chapter 5 now, but just to catch you up, one of the big themes was about being in Christ, because Paul's message was always Jesus. It was always Christ. Here's a word of warning for you. If you're going to a church or to a club or to anything, you're reading a book, and it is not centered on Christ, it's not right. Because that's what the Bible's about. That's what the preachers in the Bible talked about. That's what Paul wrote about. He talked about being in Christ and, and the benefits and the blessings of that. And it was written to, it was written to the saints, the faithful in Christ Jesus, and that's us. And so he writes a, a letter to them. But the reason we read it today is because we, we are saints. We're faithful in Christ Jesus. If you're here today, I hope that either you believe in Jesus now or by the time you leave here, you are passionately in love with Jesus and you trust him. And so he talked about being in Christ. He talked about being sealed by the Holy Spirit. He t- and sealed. Sealed is like a protection thing. It's like, like those toys at Walmart. They don't want kids to steal. They wrap them up in 12 layers of plastic and rubber bands and little snaps, and you can never get them out. Well, the Holy Spirit seals you. It protects you. It keeps you. That's what God has given you. So not only are you in Christ, 
but you're sealed with the Spirit. And then he talked about how his power brings us from death to life. So there's this change that happens. Like when you become a believer, you should change. And here's just a litmus test. Here's something that you can kind of test yourself on. If your life has not changed since you've come to Christ, I don't know that you met the real Christ. If I were to stick my finger in this electric socket, I'm going to feel something. If not, there's no power there. And if you touch Christ, if your faith goes out and you believe in his death and his resurrection, there's a change that happens. And if that has not happened in you, you either A, don't really believe in him, or you've had faith in something completely different. And that's what's going on in this letter. And I'm not trying to, like, um, to hurt anybody's feelings or be to condemn, but, but I think it's my job to tell the truth. Right? Like, I want you to feel good. I want you to feel happy. I want you to feel joy. But the only joy I know is in Christ. And I, I can't lie to you and let you leave here feeling partly good, but then you realize you missed the whole big picture because your faith was placed in something else. And then the last week we talked about that we're in Christ, sealed by um, the Spirit of God. And then we went through this whole thing about the body. If you're here last week, we talked about how we're the body of Christ and how each person is a gift. And that whether it's this church or the church general, universal, it can't be what it's supposed to be without you. So if you're a believer, someone that's touched Christ and has had a change and you have the Spirit, well, then you have a gift. And if you're not operating in that gift, then I am missing out. And Buck is missing out. Because Buck has a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. And if we all don't operate in the gifts that we're given, then we all suffer. And so we need you. God needs you to be you. God needs you to operate and to be the person he has called you to be. And so that sounds like a lot of blessings, all right? I want to set this up very clearly. In Christ, that's a blessing. Having the Holy Spirit, huge blessing. Being from death to life and having your life change, that's a blessing that's good. Being a part of God's body and God saying that you're a gift and you're special, like that's a blessing. He laid out all these blessings but now we get to chapter 5, and I might make some of you ticked off. But can we all agree that Chris didn't write Ephesians? Let's just go back. I wasn't around 2,000 years ago when the book was written. I didn't write Ephesians. And here's the reality. If I'm going to believe all of this stuff about being in Christ and all of this stuff about what the Holy Spirit does for me, and this stuff about God making people gifts, and, and that we're all special, and we're all unique, I cannot take scissors to my Bible and rip out the part that I don't like. So don't be mad at me. Okay, everybody smile at me. Even if you're faking it. You can fake it, it's all right. But it gets pretty hard. Verses 1 through 2 are, are, are kind of good. In fact, it starts off good. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. 
And you can read that it's in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and as a sacrifice to God. Man, that's beautiful. It says, Be imitators of God. I don't know the relationship you have with your father. I've got a very good relationship with my father. There's tons of things about my dad I want to imitate. That man is a hard worker. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. You might have a father like that, that you look at your dad and you're like, I can't believe what my dad did and I, I love him and I, and I, I just want to be like him. You might not have that. Your dad might be a dirtbag. Okay, lots of dads are dirtbags. And I'm, if that's you, I'm not, let's, let's just say that's the reality. But picture, picture if you had a father who loved you and would do anything for you and was 100% on your side and would never let you down, wouldn't that be somebody that you would want to imitate? And the starts off, be imitators of God and love just the way that Christ loves us. And I'm not sure if there's a an issue with the screen back there, but, but we'll go. And so one of the first things you could say is, be an imitator, a disciple, and in the same way he loved us, we love others. That should be the first thing that you should write in there is, is be an imitator. An imitator is a disciple. That's like a very, very close word. If I'm imitating you, all right, then I'm going to put glasses on my head just like you have glasses on your head. And if I'm imitating you, I'm going to wear a hat and I'm going to put it backwards. Although I look dumb when my hat is backwards. Anybody else like that? I pretty much got to wear it forward. You look cool, not so much me. All right, but when you're imitating them, you're basically, that's what a disciple is. You're learning how to be with them and you're learning how to act like them. Be an imitator of God and then love others the same way he loved us. That's the number one thing. If you want to know if you're an imitator of God, is that you can find someone and say, do I love this person? Whether it's my wife, whether it's my friend, or whether it's somebody that I don't know too well, do I love that person the same way God loves me? And then I think about it. There's sometimes God loves me, and I really haven't done anything wrong. So I can understand why God loves me. And there's some way at times God loves me, and I have completely disrespected him. And yet he picks me up in his arms, and he forgives me, and he loves me, and he's better to me than I deserve. So if you want to be an imitator of God, that's what Paul's saying in those first couple verses, is that um, in the same way he loved us, we love others. Now verse 3 is where it gets hard, so... Put your headphones in if you don't want to listen. Just ignore. But I guarantee you, if you ignore these verses, then you might as well just throw away your Bible. Number three, it says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Let's go to the one we can agree upon. Covetousness. I think we can say that kind of has a little root in greediness and wanting more than you should. I think we can all easily agree upon, don't be covetous. Don't be, don't be looking at my stuff and trying to take it. Don't say, man, Robert, I like that watch. Give me that watch. I want that watch. I'm going to covet that. Give me that. 
Don't, we can all agree that that's an easy one to point out and say, yeah, I don't, we shouldn't be like that. That's a nice chain on your wallet. Give me that chain. We all can say that's kind of messed up. But sexual immorality, very similar to Ephesus. Ephesus was built around a temple of sexual immorality, a temple of fertility where when you went to the temple, part of the temple... Um, practices was sexual immorality. Going to church had a whole different meaning. And Paul's saying, don't let it even be named among you. That root word for sexual immorality in Greek is pornonia. I probably butchered Greek. I could barely pronounce English. But pornonia. We'll call it corn for short. Some of y'all got corn on your phones. Some of you got corn on your computers. Some of y'all wish you were looking at it right now. You love that corn. And Paul's saying, it must not even be named among you. Let's get rid of the corn. The corn we watch and the corn we participate in as is proper among the saints. See, this, these verses, they come after all of the blessings. Let's not take them out of context. God just gave us a whole lot of blessings. Being in Christ, being sealed with the Holy Spirit, coming from death to life, we all have gifts, we have all of these blessings. But oh yeah, let me be very clear, don't let this even be named among you. Don't let this even be something that when people hear your name, they even think of this as it's proper for the saints. And let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk. Now, just to be clear, that's not talking about the stinky kind of filthiness. That's not the bodily stink, the spiritual stink. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking. Now, if you've heard me preach more than once, I can say things that my wife wishes I would never say. Crude joking for me, I enjoy this. That is fun. Some of y'all laugh and you think it's fun too, but it is wrong. I can't do it. Do you know how many movies come out that I just look at the preview and I'm like, that's going to be good. Chris can't watch that. Do you know how many TV shows we start? We'll start a TV show on Netflix or Hulu, and we're like, oh, this looks pretty funny. And we're like, oh, ha, ha. And it's like, man, because I believe this. Now, that is my why. I'm not perfect. If you heard half the jokes that run through my mind, you'd run in here and take the microphone out of my hand. That's, I, I battle with that. You might be battling with the many other things listed up there. But I know that I've been changed by the grace of God, and I'm actively seeking to allow his spirit to change me, and I'm saying, God, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be about this, and I shouldn't be saying this. And because it says, what is it? It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Why is it out of place? Because we're in Christ. Christ doesn't talk that way. Christ doesn't think that way. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit that grieves him.
And so even though there's the fleshly part of Christ, the sarks, that means flesh, the fleshly part of Chris, not Christ, of Chris, I can't do that. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Let there be thanksgiving. Let's keep going. Verse 5, who's having fun? All right, we're having fun, right? This is good stuff. It's the Word of God. We believe in God. This is good. All right, verse 5. For you may be sure of this. You can be sure of this. This is, ah, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, or is covetousness, we can all agree covetousness is bad, but all the rest of there is included in that same thing. And this is what hurts. That is an adulterer has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And I would do you a disservice. If y'all know me, I don't sit here and, and, and I'm not trying to call people sinners because you know what, by the grace of God, I'm standing here and I've probably done things worse than anybody in this room. And I am only saved by grace, that same grace that is offered to everybody in this room. But I would be doing you a disservice to keep back the word of God just because it might make you uncomfortable. If this room was on fire, there's two ways I could do to get you out the door. Hey, Robert, let's go look out that door. It's really fun out that door. There's a parking lot out there, and there's a dumpster on the other side, and lots of flies. Come on, Robert, let's go. He's giving me his watch. All right. <laughs> or the other thing I could say is, Robert, if you stay here, you're going to burn. He's not moving. <laughs> Robert is a good man. He's, he's a believer. But I just want to say, you'll have no inheritance. So if you're interested in having no inheritance with God and the kingdom of God in Christ, then just keep doing that stuff. If you don't care, if you don't believe it, you want to take scissors to your Bible, go for it. Take scissors to your Bible and see how that works out. I'm not playing that game. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. This is not fun to preach. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not a fire and brimstone person, but the Bible's pretty darn clear. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Why does it say that? Because that's what people are going to do. Oh, it ain't really that bad. In fact, when I became a Christian, and I had, I had, I had just about overdosed on a lot of... Uh, um, uh, stuff. I came and I told one of my friends, and I was like, man, I think I got to change my life. One of my best friends, he's still a good friend today. Every once in a while, we still stay in touch. And I said, man, I think, man, I, I just can't do this anymore. My, my life is out of control. And he's like, dude, dude, it'll pass. Dude, just relax. It's going to be fine, man. Don't, don't even worry about that. And there's people telling you the same thing. It's not really that bad. You measure yourself by somebody else. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as she is. That guy I saw on the news, now that's the real dirtbag. What I'm involved in, it's just natural. God has never called you to live a natural life. He's called you to live a supernatural life in Christ. And none of this stuff is in Christ. And the reason Paul said, let no one deceive you, is because people are attempting to deceive you. 
with empty words, meaningless words. But let it be clear, is, and here's like the double whammy. Many of us would be pretty cool. All right, fine, I get no inheritance. That's cool, I'll be broke. But what about this whole the wrath of God thing? Who really wants to find out what that's about? Raise your hand if you're like, God, I would really like to experience your wrath today. Just show me your wrath. No, that's crazy. You wake up, you're like, God, show me your peace. Show me your glory. Give me your joy. Nobody wakes up and is like, just show me what it is to have your wrath upon my life. No. But we live like we want it. So a warning I want to give you, and I believe you can write this in there, warning. Let no one deceive you. These types of things, there's a spell, I'm not perfect, it's supposed to be things. These types of things, they block your inheritance and they do bring wrath. Verse 7. It says, therefore do not become partners with them. Partners, that word, if you look it up, I mean, it means a lot like what it means today. It's like a joint owner. If, if Andrew and I were to start a business and we said, all right, hey, we're going to go become roofers. And Andrew and I are roofers and we buy a couple trucks and get a couple men and it's our money together. We're joint owners. We're partners in that business. It's not saying that you can never interact with them. Just don't be a partner. Don't join them with their their thing. Not that we don't love them, but don't join in with it. Because it says, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And here's what I want you to understand by expose, because you're going to miss the main point of what I think Jesus is saying is that sometimes we expose things. And see, I believe in Jesus. And when Jesus met the woman at the well, and he called her out on her, adult, her adultery, and she had multiple husbands, he exposed her sin right there. But it was so she could find mercy. It wasn't to expose her, to stone her and reject her. Sometimes by living the way we live, we expose the way other people live, but it's always for grace and for mercy. It's never for judgment and rejection. It's not the wrath of the church. There's no wrath. The church in this room, if you really understand the Bible, you are never to bring wrath on anyone. You bring love. You bring grace. You bring acceptance. And you allow that to expose the goodness of God so that people might see that and they might say, wow, I need that. God is the wrath person when it's time, but for now he's left us here to expose the light of the gospel, the light of his truth. So I walk up to people all the time and I talk with them and I hang with them. Now I'm not a partner, I don't participate with them in their sin. But you know what the funny thing about being a pastor is, and, and some of you guys know this because I know there's some people that you, you, you are pastors or you have been pastors. You can meet a person, I could talk to them for 20, 30 minutes, and the second they hear I'm a pastor, they stop cussing. I'm like, what, what do you think, I'm keeping count? 
But all of a sudden, they were exposed. And they're like, whoa. But we don't do that. We expose them. We expose them to the truth of the gospel. And then it says it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. So I, I put this out here because there's a lie going around, and I want to tell you the lie. We think our culture is somehow turning worse than it's ever turned. And can I tell you the truth? Since Adam fell, culture has always been terrible. The only thing that brought any bit of light and truth was when the gospel of Christ took root in certain areas and people started treating each other better and living the right way. And so we think somehow it's going in a worse direction. It's actually going in the direction it's always been going. But they've just failed to be exposed to the gospel of Christ in such a way. We are seeing, seeing people backslide and things like that, but... I want to go through a few things. So um, I'm going to put a list up here of things that you probably want to avoid. Just throwing it out there. It just seems like from what I read in my scripture, not just in Ephesians, but in all of them, sexual immorality, filthiness and impurity, covetousness, like those things, not so good. Not so good. We do them all. We can all fall victim to that. Let no one deceive you. These things block your inheritance and they open yourself up to the wrath of God. And I want you to be blessed. I want you to have an inheritance in Christ. Verse 15, we'll move down and we'll keep going. We're going we're gonna to get through this kind of quickly. Verse 15 of chapter 5, it says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time. And it's our job. You can write this in in your, in your notes. It is our job to make the best use of the time we have left. It's our job. God's given you the time. How are you going to use it? The beauty of time is time doesn't depend on your bank account. Whether you have a trillion dollars or negative a thousand dollars, we all got the same amount of time. And because the days are evil and the days are short as we have to make the best use of our time, and that's why I wanted to make the best use of this morning, in verse 17, I'm going to keep going. Worship team, you guys can become to come to the stage right now because we're going to be closing soon. Verse 17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish. That's biblical. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That word, be filled, that word, it's an active word, and it's talking about a constant filling. I want to give you a good example, and I've shared it before, but I know many alcoholics on both sides of my family. Alcoholic 
the, the alcohol gene runs great in my family. Is anybody else family like that? You have a lot of known alcoholics. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but it's great. And the alcoholics I know, they do it right because first thing in the morning, they hit the hard stuff. We're talking water bottle filled with vodka on the way to their kid's school. That's how they keep it going. They know what it is to be constantly filled. What if Christians took that same approach to being filled with the Spirit? Before you took your kids to school or, or before you got started on your day, as, 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 as dedicated as they are, you said, God, I'm empty without you. That's right. Jesus, I need you to fill me up. Because you know that car ride is going to be tough. They're going to be tired and grumpy anyway. You might as well get filled with something. And then you drop them off and say, God, I just need more. Mm. But it says, be filled with the Spirit. And then after being filled with the Spirit, he goes into some more um, things. In verse 19, he begins, not only does he talk about being filled with the Spirit, but he immediately links it to music. Because it says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence. And so in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song, but I want to point out some things. Number one, you should make songs and, and hymns often. You, you should be doing that. You should, you should be singing unto the Lord. The, sec the second thing I want to point out is, that you should address one another with spiritual encouragement. Now, the reason I threw encouragement in there is because some of y'all can't sing. I don't want you singing to me, okay? But if you have a good voice, come and sing that song. If you don't have a good voice, get one of those earbuds and put it in my ear and say, Chris, listen to this. But it's encouraging. A song is uplifting and it builds us up. And the other one is, is always give thanks. We have so much to be grateful for. And the last thing, it says, submit to each other. The reason that's so important, any one of us can get off track. That's right. Any one of us can need encouragement. Any one of us can need uh, correction. Any one of us can need something. And so submit to each other. And so right now, um, I, I hit on some hard things. And can I tell you, I was not looking forward to it. Not because I'm ashamed, but because I don't want anyone leaving here feeling guilty. I don't want anyone leaving here feeling beaten down. The only reason I share this is because if you have that guilt or that shame, I want you to leave here free. Mm -hmm. Because Christ will take that. That's why he died. So if you feel uncomfortable or you feel, you feel beaten down... Like, I, my fear is that's where you would stop. Mm -hmm. And that you wouldn't take maybe your sin to Christ and, and you wouldn't find that forgiveness because that's when, it, that's when it's good. Yeah. My fear is that some of you would hear that first part and you'd just be thinking about maybe that you're a terrible person or you're the worst person who ever lived. Jesus has seen them all and his blood is great enough for all of it. So we're going to do, we're going to ask you to bow your head just for a second, and we're going to be closing now, but, but, but you, might be, you might be feeling guilty about something. 
You might have something on your phone or on your computer that shouldn't be that need to be there. You might be in an unhealthy relationship that is sexually immoral. You might be covetous. You might be caught up with greed and working too much to earn things that you don't even need. But I promise you, God does not want you to leave here under that guilt. He wants you to find mercy and to go back to like we started with those blessings of being in Christ and filled with the Spirit and and made new, the dead coming to life. So what we're going to do, and without anybody having any shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, I'm going to invite everyone to stand right now. If you're able. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>